He is a six-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier, a Bassmaster Open winner, 17 Bassmaster Top 10s, and genuinely, he may be one of the most positive human beings alive. This week, Chad Pipkins joins me on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fish and freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. You are halfway through this week, so happy hump day. And um, welcome in all our humpers that join us week after week here on the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast. Right now, I'm not here. I'm actually in South Carolina getting ready for the Santee Cooper Bassmaster Elite. And oh boy, while I'm talking about that, man, what a tournament we had last week at Lake Murray. Congratulations to whoever won it, because I recorded this before it happened. So I'm sure you're a great champion. I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. And we will talk about all that and so, so much more next week on Jake's Take. Another double dose of Jake's Take. With all these back-to-back events, it's just the simplest way to do this. We will do a double deuce of Joe... Double deuce? Great movie. Roadhouse. That's the bar in it, in case you're wondering. The double deuce. Trivia question. You can win something at a bar if they ever ask you what the bar in Roadhouse was. It's double deuce. But next week, we will have a double dose of Jake's take, and we will break down the behind-the-scenes from these last two events. But before we get into that, let's talk about this week's guest. Um, Chad Pipkins has had an incredibly steady Bassmaster Elite Series career. I mean, really become a perennial Bassmaster Classic qualifier. Um, has fished six of them now. But what really stands out for me with Chad and and Will with you guys, I mean, one minute into this show, dude is one of the most positive people on earth. And I tell you, it's funny when you are growing up and you think you're going to get a job doing something one day and, you know, a lot of traits people work towards to achieve such a goal. And it's weird. Nobody ever spends a lot of time telling you, you got to be positive. You got to be positive. And... I mean, I don't know if you have to be positive to achieve things, but most of the great people that I know on earth, whether it be through business, whether it be whatever, they're also incredibly, incredibly positive people. So here's your daily dose of positivity. Let's go all the way to Holt, Michigan with Chad Pipkins, who really isn't there right now. He's in South Carolina too, but just for the magic of of the interwebs, Chad Pipkins. Chad Pipkins, how are you? I am doing good, man. We are in Michigan. It is 83 degrees today. What what do I got to complain about? It is wonderful. I mean, the weather is wonderful. It's supposed to get cold again next week, um, but um, we'll be in South Carolina. We're supposed to act like this is live, but we just blew the whole facade. It's not (laughs) really live. We're in South Carolina right now. You may have won or uh, uh, let's just say you won. I did last week. We're going to have some big blue trophies on the back wall, baby. We're due. You are due, dude. Like, honestly, looking yeah. at your career, you, I hate that term. Like, he's due. He's due. Like, but you are that guy. Like, I mean, if I look at what you've done in the opens and I look at how many times you've knocked at the door, I mean, it's got to be coming soon. Is that 
where you, where are you on that? I feel like it is, and I hope I hope I'm not the guy that that you know you don't say you can't win because I don't feel like that. I feel like I'm honing the skills and the technology is getting better for what I like to do and stuff. And, and looking back on my career, like there's been a handful of times when I was knocking on the door, but you always want to have a chance. But there's been times where I didn't have a chance. Right. But there, I mean, there's been like three or four where I really look back and I'm like if I'd have made a little decision change, you know, and I like Pickwick was one and I feel like I made the right cho choice at the time to try to stay put, even though I knew things were going away. And meanwhile, like, man, you, you've had chances to do that. And I same thing with the open last fall. I feel like I could have won that too. I just need one little decision a different day. And it's always easy to judge when you're done, but it's still you with, with the way the sport is going, you don't get a ton of opportunities to win because everyone is so damn good and they just keep getting better and better. So there's not a lot of opportunities when you get them and you look back, you're like, it, it bugs you a little bit because you don't, they don't always come around, you know? I, I totally agree that everybody's getting better and better. And I, I think you might be kind of the last generation or last group of anglers, your time. Now, that sounds like I'm 80. I'm the last I know, I know but how many years have you fished now? Somehow this is the 11th year on the elite series, which is insane because I feel like it's year four or five. I still feel like, yeah. okay, I like, you know, I, yeah. But, but in your career, I mean, it is a relatively short career when you look at what you want your career to be. I mean, when yeah. you finally hang it up. But in that time, I think we've switched from where rookies get a little bit of time to tread water. You know you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, I mean, there's always the pressure of requalifying, but I just feel like it was accepted that like, like I remember one year and I forget who it was. They won rookie of the year, but they also qualified for the classic and people were like, wow, this that's a big deal. Well, yeah. now... You're never winning rookie of the year if you don't qualify for the classic. I mean, it's it, is that frustrating as a competitor to look at how you know honed and and sharpened these guys are when they come to the elite series because of would, college fishing and everything? I would say it's it's the opposite. I mean, like you want to compete against the best. It's not frustrating. I think it drives you to be better. I mean, because I remember when I started, like I was on the road six, seven weeks at a time. At the time, I didn't have a wife, a girlfriend, or family. You know, so like you can just put in the time. You only have two of those now, just right. Two wives or two girls? No, one. Oh, be clear. No, I got one wife and a family. Yeah, yeah. No, no double. I can barely handle one one woman. At, don't even get into that. You know, it's man. Sorry, I distracted yeah. you there. <laughs> but that's dude. That the crazy thing is though, like the people that come in now, they're so more well versed because of high school fishing, because of college fishing. I mean, they have traveled, they've already have a network of people they know, they know across the country before. I mean, you just fish local stuff and that's all there was. So they come in so much better, you know, equipped with fishing and they've, they've half of them got, you know, good sponsors. They've got, they're familiar. So the important thing is they've even got a little bit of backing before yeah. you come in. I mean, you, myself and Polnick and some other guys that I know is the only stories I know. Well, I'm like, all of us slept in our trucks. I mean, just kind of what you did. You slept in your truck, at least, you know, when you were traveling to and from places, you know, you're sleeping on couches and you were trying to save every penny you had. Now guys come in and they've got like some title deals and things are clicking. And, and that's what drives us to be better too, because I may not have the time to put in like they do, but I've got a little bit of history with some things. So I've got some advantages on my, on my side too. And it's, it just makes it, a, I don't want to say an even playing field, but it just, You've got to balance the time and the work ethic and stuff. And that's why we still try to hustle. I mean, the, the younger people coming in, like there is, you have no time to be comfortable because they no. will take your job. And since I've started, I think 80, 90 guys have been cut. Wow. Like, that's as many that fish, you know what I mean? So it's like when you're losing eight to 10 guys a year, you better have, better have crap straight and be ready to rock and roll. Cause it, you know, you can be 
doing something else quick. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing that's changed, like where they've got the advantage of going through the collegiate program, getting to know sponsors, getting to know competition. Like they 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 are tested in every way when they get here. But they also like, I mean, you got to catch them right away. Like you can't, you can't like that pressure. And and it kind of shocked me when you talk to some anglers that are rookies, like how quick that if you don't have the first few events go well, all of a sudden that weight is on your shoulder, not just financially, but like to requalify. I mean, it's almost, it's almost too quick for, for the rookies, but, but how do you fix it? Because you, it, if you change it any other way, it kind of screws yeah. the senior anglers like yourself. You can. That's what Bass is fighting with that every year. Yeah. Like, how do you good for everybody? All of us love it. And the, the, the sport itself and the industry is growing. So there's more people that are making money. So everybody wants to stay. But you got to let new people in. And you got to have that competition. Competition, So people are going to get kicked out. And people are going to get their feelings hurt and, sto- and toes stepped on. But it has to happen to, to create the brand and, and the path that they have. And so it's like. I mean, I, where do you go from that? I think they're doing a good job of, you know, rookies need to have at least another year. Yeah. And they're doing a good uh, job as far as, you know, the, the being around at every five years, you get to drop a year. I think that helps the guys that have been around a little longer. So it, it's a good mix, but it's still cutthroat. I mean, even right now, like 11 years in the first four years, I, you know, was on the bubble a few times. The last, last four or five have been really good, but yeah, like, like you said, you're a couple of bad seasons away from then being on the bubble to requalify. And then that snowball effect, man, it doesn't matter if you're a rookie or if you're me 11 years in, like this is the worst start I've ever had since my 11 year career. I had an 80th and 90th and I had a, a bad classic event. It feels like I've had a bunch of bad fishing, but it's only been two Florida events back to back. That's literally it. But man, it, it can happen quick where you're, you're second guessing stuff. But the difference now more than before is it's not like, before you, you know, you'd finish 80th or 90th and you just, you got beat. Now I'm like, yeah. it was one fraction of a decision. And instead of being 85th, I would have been 35th. Like it's that the weights are so tight and you have to catch them every minute because if you don't, somebody does and you drop 40 places. Yeah. It, it, it's wild. Like, and how close, how close you, you've got the person who wins and there's so many people that are just like literally, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020, like you said, but afterwards you're like, man, that, if I'd have so given that easy. just a a few more minutes, uh, you know, it's literally, does that, that has to be frustrating for you. I mean, when I look at your sport, I mean, like I introduce you dudes, but yeah. the way you do it would be like, if you put like a name on a screen and it just appeared every once in a while and I had to try get it right, like to fish the way you guys do, that has to be a frustrating part. Like it's not as controllable as other sports. It is. And that, that's what drives you. But it also is what, like, I love it because the, it's, yeah. the it's the excitement of being able to figure out the process. And even when it's not going well, you're still like, I'm so jacked up to get on the road to get to South Carolina and hopefully to get the ball rolling in the right direction because it's such a fine line. And, and that's, I mean, that's what I love. And like, I just had somebody over and was talking to them and how my season was going and say, oh, but it's a lot of luck. And it is. It's a lot of luck to win. Like to win an event, you have to have a lot of good things go your way. But to be consistent day in and day out, like there's not there's not that much luck involved. Like in Florida, I missed one good bite a day. It's a little unlucky that if I catch 20 fish, I lose the one big one. But I needed to be getting more big bites. And there was a teeny decision I can make in each place to get that bite. So like when you look back, you're like, I got a little unlucky, but I still didn't do my job of adjusting at the times when I needed to. And there was a decision I can make 
And the other guys that beat me, they made it quicker and they, and they did it better than I did. That's why I lost, you know, and you got to suck it up and say, let's put on my big boy pants and let's figure it out next time. You know? Yeah. And, and you nailed it right at the beginning there where you said that that same thing that is frustrating at times is that is what made you fall in love with this sport. You know what I mean? You, you're trying to catch, you know what I always explain it. It's like golf, except the ball keeps moving and you can't see the hole, you know, it, it's really that. So when did that love start for you? Like, were you a little kid and decided you're going to fish the classic one day or where, where did it all start for you? Dude, that's, that's funny you ask that. Cause like a tournament fishing for me is literally like a drug for people that do drugs. I mean, it is everything that I love. I love the outdoors. I love bass fishing. I love, you know, the speed, the thrill. I love competitiveness. I played sports my whole life. I freaking love to gamble, love to play blackjack and stuff. I don't play cards and do this all the time because I got a family, but I love to sit down and have some drinks, play blackjack. And fishing is literally all that in a big wrapped up bottle, like waiting to explode. And that's, and that's, I've always loved everything about it. And growing up, we didn't have fishing tournaments when I was little. I used to, with my cousin and a couple of my buddies, we would literally have little pieces of paper and we would have like the rock bass pot and then we'd have the perch pot and we'd have just big fish, you know, and we would all like chip in like five bucks or something. And we would pay like first through third place for all these fish. And like that little thrill of, you know, catching those fish and recording them and gambling is basically what I get to do for a job. So dude, like there's not a day that goes by that I'm not freaking jacked up um, to, to be in the, the position that I'm in to support my family doing what I love to do. There is no one that is more appreciative. And when we're at shows, the classic, and you hear guys, you know, complaining or bitching about, man, I don't want to be here. My feet hurt. And like, the reason you get to do what you do is because all these people came to see you. Like, yeah. if you can't connect those dots, go do something else. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty simple um, when you look at it. I mean, that anybody that complains at the classic, they're not probably going to last. Because every time, I mean, I've been to so many classics, and every time I have the same feeling where I'm like, holy shit all of these people came from like it just it blows me away just like knoxville you couldn't move like you literally like and you guys are competing so you guys got to see see the crowd and see all that three days we were competing because we got our face (laughs) that's well uh but you got to i'm just talking about like when you try to get through town like to move from one spot to another it's just hordes of people so it, it's pretty incredible so how yeah, old were you when 170,000 people that literally take their vacation time and spend their money to drive and fly which is just a pain in the ass right now to come see you do what you do I mean that's that's awesome that's why anytime somebody's like hey man can you say like don't bombard me saying I'm gonna do anything but I will literally do most anything I can for fans signing stuff sending stuff I send things all I mean I just appreciate all the people that follow us <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're they're following a bunch of fishermen, right? Like they're just anglers. Like they're, they're no different than what you were when you were trying to whoop your cousins for money. Was that your how old were you when you were ripping off your cousins for money on dogs? Well, yeah, I used to trade my sister uh, nickels for dimes too. Back they, they were bigger, so I've got to. Yeah, <laughs> won't get into that, but I, I couldn't have been you know 10, 11, 12. I mean, I just I didn't grow up bass fishing like today's kids. I mean, they got all the federation stuff. They've got yeah. everything. And I just grew up fishing, loved to be on the water, catching perch and rock bass, and then went to, you know, buddy's ponds. And I used to ride, you know, ride bikes like kids don't do anymore, but backpack on with some tackle, two rods across the handlebars, just pond hopping. And that's when I started to like bass, catching them on artificial stuff. And yeah. I had a friend of mine's uh, dad who was at the Classic with me again this year. He came to three of the Classics I made. Uh, when I was 16, he took my first tournament. We caught one 15-ounce bass on a little lake by here, and I just loved it, you know, and I – and then he took me to a couple like team tournaments. 
and I got the whole vibe for like the long days and stuff. And that's when I, I started tournament fishing after I fished with him with a buddy of mine that I played soccer with. And we, uh, we, but we fished against a bunch of old dudes. We were like 17, 18 years old fishing our like Thursday night clubs. Cause that's all, that's really all there was. So you had to cut your teeth, like fishing, I think it was American bass anglers and like Midwest sportsmen. And it, it was just, it was a lot of fun, man. And that's what I, I grew up doing. And, and I just got uh, into that and went to school, you know, just cause I like to do that and play hockey, good backup plan. And uh, it just, it kind of worked out after that. Like I wasn't even close to all in with fishing while I was in school. I was, you know, hanging out, working my butt off, playing hockey, um, fishing only in the summers, making money. Like everybody knew I wanted to do that. And I did as well, because there was a yearbook from high school hockey that said, what do you want to be? I'm, I'm going to be a professional bass angler. And that's what it said in like 10th grade. But still like while I was doing all the other things, like I didn't really think about it much. I just knew like I, I, I filmed it, you know, recorded it on the VCR on the weekends when I couldn't watch it. Like I love to watch it, but I wasn't ready to like be all in on it yet. You know what I mean? Until I got done with college, I fished one event on Lake Erie as a co-angler. Okay. Practice with a mutual friend of, that I met, Shad Skank, Wesley. Oh Stringer. yeah, and one of the greatest names in fishing. I mean, where is Shad Skank now? He dude, he is he's uh, living in uh, Indiana, just crushing it. Sells corn seed, and his wife do farm real estate, and they have a couple kids. He just he was done. It's just a lot of tr stress and travel and stuff. But yeah, dude, I learned more from that man, not about fishing, but about business and stuff. And that's how I run my show here. Like. He always said, it's not a question of if it's when you got to have a side gig. And he was the most, he only fished tournaments. Like he didn't even fish at home. And he was still good because he did a good job and was well-planned. And that's kind of how I try to go. I want to fish a little more than him, have a little more instinct, but like I learned more with what I know, you know, about how to run a business. I mean, that's what we do is running a business. And when I travel with those guys for five years, dude, I had an absolute blast, probably the funnest time. Cause there's zero stress when you're rolling as a co-angler, like, you know, they were paying for most of my stuff. He helped me out with even some entry fees and stuff. Wow. I would just go up, work, practice with him. And I got to network and learn. And it was just, it all worked out in the stories. I always tell the same damn story because it's just, it's amazing. Like everyone in the elite series, you know, has some sort of unique story. Yeah. And for us, it's just, it's when it happens and how it happens. And there was a tournament, you know, that I thought I could have won a few years as a co-angler and, you know, I didn't know at the time that that was Brandon Palnick that won. I lost, I lost a fish, you know, I lost by six ounces and lost a two pounder at the boat, but Palnick won that tournament. That's the same year he made the Federation went to the class. Yeah. That he funded his, his fishing career. career. Fast forward, you know, three years later, I tell those guys, like, I need to focus on working, making some money, ref and hockey nights and weekends, hustling, landscape, construction, whatever. You're what a I hockey mean? ref. Dude, I ref hockey for 20 years. Oh my God, with that head of hair, you're like a modern day Carrie Frazier. Do you remember him? <laughs> yeah. Like oh, the yeah. helmet hair. Oh, I used, to have a lot. Dude, I used to have some flow on the back, too, poking on the sides. I love ref hockey. <laughs> I played my whole life. I had to get because I just like to be in the game, man. When you're ref in a good game, it's like you're playing. I, yeah. I, miss, I do miss that a little bit. So. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So sorry I interrupted you. I was shocked no. by the referee thing. So you're refing. Yeah, you're just working. hustling, trying to make money. And then. I tell them, I'm like, just pick a couple events. I'm going to focus on working. That way I can fish the FLW tour next year. Like at the time, I only fished the Bass Opens once or twice. Like I didn't yeah. even dream of fishing the Elite Series yet. I just dream of how can I make fishing a career and make, yeah. make that my lifestyle, you know? And uh, so, dude, I fished two events with them. It just happened. The last one, I won. I won 25 grand. I'm like, 
dude, I got the money to fish the FLW tour. And I was so excited. Like this was in April or something. Well, that same year, the open start, I'm catching the opens. I went angle the year in the opens. I'm like, huh. So I got in a spot. In the this is easy. Like, oh, and then the FLW tour comes to Lake Erie as an open. And I was able to fish that. And I finished third and won like 28,000. I'm like, dude, I can really do whatever I want now. I literally just paid for the, the bulk of my season. I love to gamble. And I know that like you put your money in when, you know, you put your chips in when the odds are in your favor. And I'm like, this is the best time of my life that things will ever, I didn't even dream of fishing the elite series, but I'm like, there's no better time. I live at home with my mom till I was like 28, 29, mom and dad, they would do anything for me. They didn't yeah. have money to go, here, go fish. We're going to pay, but I had a place to live. I could travel, do what I needed to do. And I put all my chips and I paid all my entry fees up front. That way I didn't have to worry about, you know, paying throughout the year. And I was ready to go, man. And then the, the hard work and stuff, the four or five years prior, that's what like, it all comes up. Like any of the times I speak for college kids, high school, I tell them the same, this similar story. Cause I'm like, it's all about the networking and the relationships you develop throughout your life. And if you just go in and fish, you don't develop those relationships. So for yeah. me, like I work with all these people, ref and hockey a bunch, the guy that owns Douglas J. So on a spa who they have a place in Knoxville, Chicago, like five in Michigan. He's a hockey nut. He's got, he has like three or four teams that he helped, uh, like plays on around here that he sponsors and stuff. And he was a goon, like always a big, like just always whacking at people, chipping and just getting into fights and stuff. And he's like, he was like 40 at the time. And that's how I met him. Cause I threw his ass in the penalty box a lot and got to <laughs> talking at him and jump. That's how we became friends. And fast forward, you know, a few years after that, my buddy worked for him. And then we, you know, we met up and he's like, dude, we got to hook you up with some highlights and get you, you know, get some uh, logos on the boat and, and pay for some entry fees or something. That was the year I made the elite series. I'm like, well, I'm not dumb. I'm going to call you back. And we sat down and had a couple meetings and we found a way to make it work. But like that relationship developed over five years of hockey, few drinks here and there, you know, that's how a lot of it happens, but that's, that's how I started my career fishing. And it is still like most of my good business partners that I work with now are still people that I've met sometime some way or another like yeah my little sponsor sweet now the guy's sam i met him at the at the icast yeah me and brandon polnick were hanging out doing nothing that was you know not normal you're just having a good time and they wanted to meet brandon we were at, we were doing shots or drinking at the bar or something and we ended up hanging out with them the rest of the night that's how i met those guys there and then we figured out a plan what can we do to you know develop some rods make some money and, and go from there and it's just like all these little dots are shooting all over and eventually something sticks. If you throw enough like darts at the wall or whatever, like these connections happen, but they, they got to happen, you know, like naturally organically or whatever you want to what say. Yeah. I, but I think it's the truth in life where, I mean, I tell my kids at the all time, all time, the two things that you need to do is be a hard worker and be a good person. You know what I mean? Like be somebody yeah. because all, those deals you, I mean, I'm it's amazed that, I mean, a ref could, convert a thing into us that you're not if you're still reffing it totally makes sense i'm like the guy's trying to buy you off it makes so much <laughs> sense to me but but it's that relationship like being a decent person to work with is so like they don't teach that in school but they should because it's one of the most important things in yeah. life never mind business just in life they did a little bit i went to i went to school in teaching and it was called classroom management at the time like you don't got to do the same thing and it was like on the ice management like there's some there's some stuff you gotta let go there's some stuff that you gotta bring like there's a way to it's all about the communication and dude we have that same issue on the water and there's guys that know how to handle it and there's freaking guys that don't and you can tell like on the water some guys can fish around each other and it's like 
you, you, you bring up something before it comes to your head. Like when you're rolling in on somebody, you're like, Hey, are you cool if I fish? And if you talk to somebody and you're not an ass on the water, like what goes around comes around. And I can't tell you how many times I've been on the water and like been able to work with somebody side by side. And then it, it comes back the next day, the same way. I mean, it's just, and there's other guys that literally if they're within hundreds of yards of each other. They all just almost lose their shit. Cause they know they think people are stealing spots and this and that. I mean, the only guy that I've ever had an issue with once was good old Tommy Biffle. And I, that was just an interesting, <laughs> interesting story. But will you share that story with me? I mean, it's, regardless oh, yes. whether you share it or not, I mean, it's freaking honor to have Tommy Biffle like you. I know. <laughs> I hear all about the stories. I'm fishing here from the dam to the rocks and wherever the hell he's fishing. But yeah, he, I even told him to Mike, man, we got the Potomac River and I had fished the same stretchy fish the first day. And, you know, you, you mill around. You don't ever know when somebody's actually there. Yeah. I had caught some, and the next day I started there, and he came up on me, like, worked towards me, and I, you know, we talked a little bit, and then he kind of left and came back, and I think he had talked to his marshal at the time, because I told him, like, you know, I had fished through here, I think it was 10, 11 o'clock, caught a couple, and then, you know, you were around the bridge, I saw your boat there, I was here, and went across, and then his going there, or his marshal must have fired him up, because he comes back, like, super hot after 30 minutes, he's like, I was talking with my marshal, and I know you weren't, you weren't here yesterday, I'm like, Tommy, I'm like, I've got waypoints on my boat and a trail with timestamps. I save it all the time. Like, I'm more than happy. If you want me to troll off to your side, I'll take a five-minute break. Like, I'll show you my waypoints and my trails that were saved yesterday. He's like, that don't mean shit. I'm like, how do you tell that somebody that the waypoints and the trail doesn't mean anything when you literally, it tells you exactly where you were. It's like having our cameras on boat. I got proof, you know? Yeah. Did that happen a lot? when you first came to the elite series, like, I feel like, I mean, I think it happens in every sport, but like, I think some of that isn't even, it's a, it's somebody trying to take advantage. I don't, I don't even know that it's wrong. It's like an enforcer in hockey in the way you got to push your, your way. But do you think that that happened a lot in the sport or still happens a lot in the sport where people, veteran anglers try to try to kind of flex their muscle on rookies or young anglers? I do because it's the same thing with all sports. Yeah you, yeah. you have like some authority or whatever. And it's, and some people do it like, again, it, what goes around comes around. Like I'll just say Cooper Gallant, great one of your Canadian geese buddies. <laughs> he still comes out to me last year at when he won. Uh, Canadian the, geese buddies. <laughs> he made the elite series. And I had a, a grass bed that I catch him on in Oneida. And I was there on day one. And he came up to me with a couple of fish and he's like, Hey man, you cool if I fish? And I saw him there in practice. Like I was off the side a hundred yards. I'm like, well, he's not driving around. Like he found them. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a big difference on the water when you think somebody's snaking you or when you know guys, like if you found the same fish I found, they're not my fish. They're not yours. Like I'm not going to have somebody come throw at the same rock I'm throwing at, but if it's a grass bed and the fish are milling around, if it's a school of fish, yeah. you can make multiple different casts. Like if somebody found those fish, you know, there's a difference between that and like sharing a single bass on a bed or something. And I told him like, man, just, yeah, come on in. I'm like, I'm fishing this side now. And there's another, you know, we'll, we'll mill around each other. And dude, he, we both caught some there and he, he called there the next day. I think he finished third and he's, he came up to me at the class again. I think he came up to me at the beginning of the year. and was just like, I can't tell you how much, you know, I want to say thanks, man, for letting me come in. I'm like, and it's just, I just, and that blows my mind. Cause I'm like, I don't own the lake. Why? He shouldn't have to thank me. I'm like, you should be able to, and maybe that's why I haven't won. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, that I want to win bad, but I'm not going to like, kick somebody in the face to try to win like I'm gonna win when it's my time to win and I feel like you know those situations like whether I win or not or when I win I'm gonna have a badass time doing it and I'm gonna have a great career 
because of the way I've handled situations like like that is what I think, you know. So yeah, Hopefully and dude, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but I, I've said it several times and I really bo- believe it. We just saw the biggest tournament in bass fishing one. And nice. part of the reason that Gussie won that tournament is because of the person that he is. You know what I mean? Because it none yeah. of that makes sense on paper. Like if you're like the he he put the blueprint out. You know what I mean? Did it over four days, did something that people were not doing. And he didn't really get like there was a lot of anglers I talked to before tournament even started that said I didn't even check that stuff. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, which blew me away because the Bassmaster Classic, you know, like I don't know whether it's right or wrong to fish it, but I do think that if Gussie was a different person, there is no way that that many people lay off of what he's doing. Do you yeah, agree with that? I'm an idiot. I haven't seen. I haven't had time to watch. Like he didn't catch him in the exact same place he did for. Well, some of them, yeah. Okay, so I didn't even. I knew some. Using it. He's used one one bait the whole time. I mean, yeah. he's used multiple. I, of I, it. Thought, I heard. I knew he found a new place where he caught him as well. Like same bait, obviously, but a new place. Yeah. I, like I chose not to fish that spot too, and I talked to Gussie during. Uh, like at the boatyard before, I'm like, man, how many people are on your stuff? And he mentioned some people, and you know, he was, it, but he knows too. Like, it goes both ways. They're like, again, I'm a competitor. I want to win. There is nothing wrong with fishing that spot after a year. Like, I had a good start at uh, Lake Fork when I caught 30, 64 pounds or whatever in two days, but I, that's not my spot. You know, like yeah. I might expect maybe like one of my roommates or travel buddies not to fish it, just because I also share inside information with them about timing and whatnot during practice. So that wouldn't be fair, but all the guys in general, like you don't own a spot after a year, but I chose not to fish it because dude, it reminded me of fishing in Florida. Like I like to run and down. I'm like, I'm not going to go sit in this damn hole and wait for fish to swim by, especially while 10 other boats are around just like Florida. That is what I hate doing. So like, for me, it was an easy decision not to touch it, but you know, I, I don't, I don't blame guys for, for fishing it either. You know, we all yeah. have a reason to fish or not fish it, but I was glad like if somebody was going to win there or, doing that deal I, it's i'm so pumped it was gussy because it would have been a little sickening like if eight guys fish there and six guys are in the top 10 you're like you dumbass you didn't even go down there and do that you know but it was it was cool to see gussy win like he did and that, man that's amazing to do that like you said to unlock a secret that really nobody's done and, and to be able to keep doing it and to expand on it like somebody else should have been able to expand on it. i think that that win from the year before or whatever or two years two years yeah that gave him the confidence and the ability, like, I guess when he practiced, he probably literally just spent three days, four days, just doing that is what I'm going oh, yeah. because, you know, he, yeah, he didn't catch crap the year before largemouth. He said he went and do it, did it for six hours and you get one bite, you know, you're going to try to find one place is what, you, which is what he did. I mean, he told me before the tournament even started, he said, uh, I mean, he, he did pre-fish largemouth a little bit. He said he had one little stretch, you know, that he thought yeah. of in, on the final day of going to, but he was like, my shot at winning this tournament is to win with smallmouth, not with largemouth. And he's, yep. and he said, and he, I never thought about it like this, but the other thing that he said to me was, they said, it's easier to win the classic doing this than it was the elite because I mean, half the field, you've got yeah. a day less. I mean, and clearly, I mean, if it was a four day derby, I don't think Jeff Gustafson is our Bassmaster classic champion. Yeah. Um, and guys did fish it. You're right. And I don't say that it's wrong, but there was an, incredible amount that didn't which i think if you replace him with a more aggressive angler that doesn't happen i think you you know it nobody yeah. ends up winning it from there because there's so many people fishing it it gets kind of obliterated by the entire field 
Yeah, no, I agree. And it, like I said, that, that's a nice guy that didn't finish last. And like I said, I would choose to do that. Any day. And I didn't fish it, like you said, because it, also because it's got to see. Maybe you check it if it was somebody else. But like I 100% agree with you. The reason that it wasn't crazy crowded is because, you know, the type of person he is. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, dude, he's just better at that technique than maybe anyone on earth. You know, like to this point, who's better? I mean, he and and he's been doing that for 20 years like he literally it, i mean they've been fishing that up on rainy lake and stuff that whole i mean the linders kind of invented right. that um so i mean at some point that's the other thing that frustrates me at fishing like some uh, people are like oh i could have done this could have done that but they don't ever stop to give an angler the credit of like you guys are pretty freaking good you can't do just exactly what you i can do exactly what paul nick did. no you can't trust me i know i'm at tournament mc because i can't so <laughs> And it's um, funny you say that because that is exactly it. Like that it's getting into your rhythm, you know what I mean? And, and doing what you like to. And that's why like, I, if it was Gussie or some, I still want, that's not what I wanted to do. And like the last four to five years, I've had my best five years because I'm doing what I like to do. You get before we had, you could get a little information from people before five years ago. And even that, like, I didn't like to get a ton of help, but you almost felt like you're at a disadvantage yeah. because people got such good help. So me, like you might, you know, get a little help here or there or whatever. But the problem is then you would do maybe just four or five or six hours, like look at other stuff in practice that other people talk to you about. And a lot of times all you need is that three or four hours to unlock the deal that you were trying to figure out. And the yeah. last, literally the last four or five years, I just go to places and do whatever I like to do and fish my strengths and styles. And I have a lot more fun. And a lot of times you unlock that deal when you would have been chasing somebody else's fish. So I feel like it's helped me become a better angler and give myself, you know, have more confidence in what I do. And like looking at how the season started now, I mean, like I said, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I feel like I made a couple wrong decisions, but we're getting to places where like what's more my style of fishing, like run and gun and making decisions, finding enough fish to be able to move around and, and, and fish a pattern. And that's, that's more what I like to do. And it's just, it's funny how some guys just love to sit in one place. Like that would drive me freaking crazy. As you can tell, I'm wired a little, I'll get up and get, get moving, man. So. <laughs> Why is that so tough to avoid? Like you hear pros say that all the time, you know, once I started fishing, stop listening to doc talk, stop listening. Once I started fishing my way, but they hear it before they even qualify. I mean, everybody fishing the EQs right now is hearing us say this and pros say this over and over, but man, it is so hard for a young angler to come and be themselves. Why is that so tough? What is it? Yeah, I think it's a confidence thing initially because you haven't been there and competed. So yeah. like, if you're not getting the bites that you hear other people talking about, even though like sometimes it's just, you know, the places we go are tough. So if you don't, if your thing doesn't happen right away, then you start to hear the voices in your head or hear the other stuff. So then you start doing other things. So then you're kind of just like, you're just all over the place and you're not like really trying to dissect what the fish are doing. And at that point, it, it's, that can snowball quick. That's why you see like some rookies maybe go, snowballing downhill and other guys get out there and maybe uh like joey gets out you know that other event gets out there and there was brandon Polnick, clifford perch those guys drop shot at a ton in practice i talked to both of those guys regularly like literally right next to him for whatever reason they didn't get any of those big bites and and joey did and it's one of those deals where like he got the clue maybe the first day you know a couple good bites here there to stick with it and then you keep that in your hand and, and you find more of it versus if you're a rookie and you keep something in your hand, you don't get bit, then you start doing something else that somebody, and you're all over the place, then you don't really have anything to fish. And then 
then the mental thing comes in the next term. You're like, well, I got to catch this one. I need to check. If you need to check, it gets tough. And then, you know, it just, it can snowball quick. Yeah. Once you start fishing for that check, it, you know, once you start aiming at 50th, yeah, it seems to turn into a 70th real quick. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I did, I mean, you all, you can't not do it because you, yeah. you need to get paid when you come in. And I just, I, my first year, man, I didn't, I didn't catch, I didn't cash a check until the fifth event. And I, I was at the, the Alabama river spotted bass and dude, I needed, I had four fish on day two. I was in 50th place on day one and I had four fish on day two. And it was like noon. I needed a three pounder, like roughly. And I hooked the biggest spotted bass in my life. I've got a pit. I got the damn picture on my phone. I'll show you. I hooked a five and a half pound spotted bass fought this thing. And I had the first day I, they were a bunch of current. I had jumped off a couple fours, like boat flip one that hit my foot, bounced off the grass, fell in like, Literally everything that could happen for you to lose a fish, I did. And then I hooked this one, was playing it perfect. The biggest spot I've ever seen. I got to get this thing. Come on. Um, and I don't, I hooked it, it jumped, whatever. And I had my marshal had a camera at the time. He came down the front deck and I'm going to belly scoop it and the driver's seat. And I have the line like an idiot, which I never do anymore. And I had a fray on my football jig and I went, it broke off and I, it broke off in my hand and he's got a picture of this fish falling in the water. Dude, I went head first in after the fish, my life jacket went off. I lost my sunglasses. It was just a damn, literally a nightmare. And I do have it. Here it is. Come on. I want to look for it forever. There it is. This, this is a five and a half pound spot. Look at that. Oh, I got it. Great. Wow. That's a Giant. And right at that, at, that's after he, broke off and has fallen in i had her by the belly before that and then i go in after leaving my sunglasses and just a complete shit show so but he got a picture that's a memory calm around the boat and since that that year that first year dude i lost more fish by the boat because i didn't know like i hadn't landed them by the boat you know in a yeah. tournament all, now it's like i'm wired and jacked up but when they get by the boat i'm ready to grab them and, and i'm a lot cleaner on the boat so that pisses me off too dave watching other shows guys are all over the place yanking on the line and they don't lose fish. And I'm like, it looks like a disaster and they land them. And I feel like I'm very clean around the boat. And when I get beat, I'm like, what in the hell? I see them like literally hand lining fish in. And yeah. Yeah. That, that has to be frustrating because that, I mean, it, it, it happens like it's, and uh, dude, that's when I'm commentating bass live, I hardly ever say anything about it, but you see, you know, I'll be me and Davey would be working beside you and you see the, like, I get it. The fish is right there. Everybody knows you shouldn't grab the line, but it's right there. So you just grab the line. It, it's, um, it's, it's pretty wild, but, um, so what did those five weeks be? It wasn't five weeks, obviously, but when it took you five events, like how lonely was the ride home from the fourth event? Were you starting to think, man, what, what did I do? Yeah, you do, man. It's just a mental, like, I felt like I was getting closer. I think the, I actually zeroed the first event I fished, like double zeroed on Sabine oh. River on one of them. And it just like, that's not how you want to start your deal. And I had a good practice too. Like that place has haunted me and just the water come up and I just didn't adjust. But it's one of those, like, I'm, you start thinking about every decision you've made. And a lot of times it's so easy to look back. Like you had the practice or whatever, you just didn't make the right decision. And I couldn't really figure it out. Like I, I knew I had a lot of lost fish in a lot of the events, but it was just the decisions weren't happening in that tournament. Like it wasn't even the rides home. The, the worst feeling I've ever felt while fishing is after I broke that fish off five events in the next 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 
like I kid you not, dude, I broke off like six, eight jigs. I couldn't tie knots. Like everything inside of me was just, I was crushed. Like that was a $10,000 is a freaking lot of hockey games. Yeah. A lot of paint houses and shoveling dirt that you got to make. And it was in my hand. Like it was six inches from falling in the boat. And like, dude, I couldn't cast. And then I couldn't stay focused with the jig and I was trying to move and nothing would go right. And it was 30 minutes of that, like just disaster. And I finally like settled down a little bit and I caught like a three, two on a shaky head. And I finished that tournament. I think I was in 49th or 50th place and I made the cut. And I remember on day three, when I came and Kevin came up and he's like, he's like, good job, man. Keep it rolling. Let's go. Like, like that's, you need those breaks. And like, Kevin's a competitor and I, I, I never forget that. I'll never forget Skeet Reese when I made the elite series coming up to me, shaking my hand, introducing himself like, yeah, yeah I knew Skeet Reese, buddy. But like, congr- hey, congratulations. We're happy you're here. The, the year I made uh, the elites in an open, I made a top 10 with Ike and Ellie. I share a pizza with that guy. Like, I, I'm like, hey, dude, you want to want to want a slice? He's like, you got a whole pie? Like, I don't, those are just lines that I remember from like three of my heroes. That's exactly what he would say. <laughs> yeah, dude, but you don't forget that stuff. And it's like, that kind of stuff is what, like, I want to be that guy for some of the other guys. Maybe I won't be as good or like that iconic, but I want to be the guy that somebody remember like, hey, that guy was kind. Like, that's the kind of person I want to be. And same, same sense, so like Kevin on the water, my first year, I made a top 10. A few events after that 49th place finish uh-huh. on St. Lawrence. Dude, I'm holding on rock piles. Like, I had a good first day, good second day. I'm like spot locked or trolling right here. Kevin's drop shotting down current. He's just literally pitching, pitching, reeling, pitching, reeling. And he's coming right at me. And I talked to my marshal at the time. I'm like, dude, does he think I'm going to just move for him because he's Kevin Van Dam? I'm like, there's no way. Like, I'm just going to like part waters. And I literally am like this. And he's just, and he gets about 20 yards from me. And he's like, well, I guess you can just have it then. And like, picks up his trolling motor. I'm like, what in the hell dude it was just it was funny and that was one of those things like he probably thought i would slide back or moved over and kevin's the man dude greatest ever i just i'll never forget that either it was just it was pretty hilarious and he, I, didn't, make, he didn't make the cut that time and i finished like seventh well because you screwed him <laughs> i beat kevin dan M once yes um no i dude and i think a lot of people do move for them you know what i mean like oh, yeah. it, it's it's funny um but I think there should be a respect show them. But if you're on a spot, you're on, like it's you're competing against that person. And if you right. are going to just open the door for everybody, that's what you're going to end up being the greeter. Yeah, cool. You're not, yeah. you're not. But but the cool thing is that you just said it's just amazing how much how little it takes to affect somebody's day. You know what I mean? Like and, oh, and th- this is eleven years later, and you still remember. Kevin Van Dam coming up and shaking your hand and saying, well, and Skeet Reese like that. It's a pretty it's cool dumb. lesson in life. Really? It's so stupid though. Cause you hear that growing up, like the teachers and kids, like the night, like, but it's simple, like freaking be a nice person. Do it like that. I mean, it, it's, it's corny. It is what it is, but like man, woman, guy, it doesn't matter. Like those are the things. And I still, I remember every one of those and it's, I can see it. It's just like, it's what it's what clicks in my brain. I don't know why it's such an impact, but it is. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think everyone has those moments. You know what I mean? Because, dude, even when I started at Bass, there was people that were very welcoming, majority yeah. of people, and there was people that I worked with or comp- or anglers that weren't. And I don't right. hold it against them or anything. Yeah, but you want to trip them when they're walking on stage and just push them over. You know. <laughs> I mean, most of them left. <laughs> 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 um, no, but. Uh, 
but you you do like there's a i mean i at least myself i make sure that i try to introduce myself to everybody when they come like one thing i hate about the classic this year is because my travel i didn't get there until like the night after the meet like on wednesday basically i got there th tuesday night so tuesday's when I really get a lot of chance to hang out with all the new guys and you guys and stuff missed, at the meeting. Missed a few drinks on Monday. We'll just, we'll just well, say that. That may have been on purpose. I learned Maybe not to get into town on Monday. Not bar dancing. <laughs> I've heard. I heard it was. I heard it was something else. The Monday before the classic is when nobody's there except for the anglers and exactly. folks from the tournaments, and we probably shouldn't talk about it anymore. People will start showing up on Monday. <laughs> Um, if you could change one thing about competitive fishing, what would it be? I could change one thing about fishing. Oh, dude, that's interesting. Because I, I love all the, I love all the technology. That's what drives our stuff. So a lot of guys said, oh, you can't use forward facing sonar. Bring it back to how it was where you just fit. Like, what's the point of that? It's like, like, you know, I don't, I don't understand. Like I've heard people talk about not being able to use a flogger which would be the most hysterical thing ever, a cone that you can't use. You come eat. Most of the time people want to make a rule. It's because they're too lazy to do the other part. Like people don't yeah. want to do live sonar because dude, it hurts your neck. It's boring. It's not like, but you're doing your job. Like it is what it is. You got to put the time in. Same thing with the flogger. Like those things are, are what I would, you know, if those were there, but the one thing I would change or limit because we have a bunch of idiots sometimes is the, our boats are so fast like don't don't let us ever go to 300 so like keep it at 250 that if i have to sit like let's have we don't need to speed limit we just need to don't be a dumbass rule yeah like, dude there's guys that just rip around we have you know sometimes things happen you end up on the bank which you shouldn't but it happens but like guys <laughs> i remember cutting corners like this and somebody passes you on the inside you got boat waves and when you're turning like you keel hook and somebody you know goes right in front of you or you hit them or falls out like i want nothing to do with me getting hurt or me running somebody over and like, I mean, our sport is super competitive and it's like, you want to get where you're going, but I want to get back too. So that's, that's my thing. If I want to keep her at 250 and we'll keep her under about 75 miles an hour and we'll, we'll be good. Do you think, I mean, I, I don't think there's any shot of it going up from two. Like I've always said, and me and Panger did a call show a few weeks ago about it. I think one of the biggest mistakes in the history of professional bass fishing was the move from 150 to 250. Cause if you look at it, and I know motor companies may hate me a little bit right now, but, but <laughs> overall, I mean, guys were still running 20 foot boats. You know what I mean? They just didn't go as fast. They could still get to the places they were, but that switch from 150 to 250 with that becomes adds so much, just your gas and everything, the cost yeah. of the motor, everything goes up. Boats break more because you're going faster. There's so much more that goes into that. Well, not, not my boat, Dave, because I want to well, no, not mask out of me. Come on. Of course, or mine. I run a Yamaha Phoenix. <laughs> They're both the best in the industry. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't, I, do you think that there's a shot that it would go up soon though? I, I hope not. I mean, I think you said it right though. I think right now the boats are built for a 250 and Matt said, if they were to do that, they're going to have to be building bigger boats. And I think right now it's, it's a, you always want room for improvement and stuff, but I don't think there's a reason to have a larger boat because then there, there's going to be a, a a side effect where you can't get shallow enough you can't yeah. get this is because the boat that takes the 300 it starts to change the structure of those also I, I don't think you need to do that that's so i feel like 250 is nice for your waves like you really can 
Like yeah. if you had a 150 out on Lake Erie and four or five, six footers, it's going to be hard to maneuver that boat in the waves. So like, I feel like now it, it's safer. And the cool thing is about all of our damn technology is it's making the boats a little slower. When you put three graphs up on front and like that kind of stuff and the way we pack the boats, like if you're running 70 to 73 in a tournament, like that's, that's as fast as our guys are running. They may tell you the boat runs 80, that's yeah. 80 to 10 gallons of gas and no tackle. But the way we have them loaded down, like, you know, low seventies is solid. And I feel like that's, that's a sweet spot for, you know, not running over people and, and being able to drive safe in big water, I guess. So. Yeah, I agree. And you can't, I mean, the industry couldn't handle, like you imagine what would happen to two fifties all of a sudden, if the yeah. elite series said it's 300 all of a sudden that, because I mean, look what happened. If you don't think it would happen, look what happened to one fifties. How many bass boats do you see on the highway with one fifties anymore? There's some, but it's not like what it used to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. It would, it would be insane. But, um, What's your favorite part about being a professional angler? Man, I, outside of like the, the chase, like I love the process of trying to like going somewhere, like we're going to, uh, where are we going? Lake Murray. Yeah. I scouted there. I have never touched a bass in Lake Murray. That's where we're going. I drove around, broke my boat in a couple of days, like going there and, and looking at the whole place and being like, I got to pick my sections and trying to dissect where and what will happen. Like, I love that, like the process, well, how are the fish going to move? Is the weather going to be? what's going to happen like that just kind of that deal of the unknown is just one of my favorite parts about it the other part is you know we have travel away from home which sucks and family but like you have another family and it's kind of neat like yeah. you have your home family that you miss but all in all like the guys the core group of guys that are on tour with us like to, to survive in the sport you got to be you got to be you may, we have some people that are odd fun weird but like you got to be a pretty good person because people want to work with you so yeah. like the group of guys that are on tour, like this bass staff, like it's literally a family away from home. And even like when my wife and kids come, dude, there's like a new generation. We're not the old generation, like you said. We're the new generation with kids. I didn't say old. Uh, I said there was there was a lot of sex going on like two to three years ago because there's oh, babies spawning everywhere. season. <laughs> it was spawning season 2020, 2021. Babies. My my kids have like 10 kids to play with while they're on the road, which is pretty special because if you're by yourself on the road. Like there's nothing. I mean, it's, it's tough, but that makes it pretty fun for everybody. Yeah. And it's why, and Bill Lowen's kids who were the little kids for so long, like they were the little kids that well, they're doing, she's know. working. She's camera taking pictures. Yeah. And and they're the old kids now. You know what I mean? It's just, it, um, time yeah. flies, but yeah, you were right. There was a lot of spawning. Um, and, and you were doing <laughs> so, are you done spawning too? That, that enough? Or are you, are you spawning some more? We are officially done spawning. Oh, you, you got the that must have been fun dude it was yeah, it was good time good time <laughs> it was fun good time i had as much fun as you had my doctor was pretty absolutely hilarious i'll just say that dude he had some funny jokes i was ragging on him for a minute he looked up and he's like you you're really gonna give the guy shit who's got a scalpel to your balls and i was like <laughs> he's like winner <laughs> yeah it's time to be quiet <laughs> One of the things that um, that I love about you most as a person, dude, is your attitude. I mean, you are one of the most positive people that I've ever hung around with, you know, and I've, I mean, I put you, you know, Paul next, very positive, Carl, you know, that whole group. But how in number one, is that something you've always had? And number two, how important is that to have as a professional angler? Definitely. I, I would say I've always had it. 
I was wired a little different. I had a girl across the hall in college that came up to me once. Not a girl. We didn't, it was nothing frisky. Just oh, a girl okay. lived across the hall. And All she right. literally told me, she's like, somebody needs to punch you in the face one day. How can you be so damn happy? Literally told me I should get punched in the face because I'm too happy. I'm like, <laughs> well, you can hit me. I'm not going to slap me around a bit, whatever. But I, I've always been like that. I just, I, I get that from my mom, dad, like, and again, I'm blessed to be doing what we do. I'm super pumped. I love every minute of it, even the even the minutes when it's tough. Makes you appreciate the good ones. But I've just always just felt like if you have a good outlook on stuff, like better things happen, especially with fishing. Like fishing is so mental. And if you're not believing you're going to catch them, if you're not believing in what's going on, like it's not going to happen because it is very, very easy just to get sidetracked with not getting bites, not thinking things are going to happen. And then they don't because your thought process change, your, your wheels aren't turning anymore and it can go, it can go bad quick. And I, like I had a turn I led at uh, Mississippi river years ago and mm -hmm. it just, dude, I, I didn't have a fish at one o'clock. And I just, one of those things where like, you just, you still can feel it and it may not always happen, but you're going to be far better off if you think it, if, if it's going to happen, you know what I mean? Like you can't make it happen, but you can surely like put your foot forward and have a good chance at giving yourself some opportunities and even outside of the fishing thing, like me being positive is just weirdly how I'm wired, but people want to be around people that yeah. are fun or having a good time. The last thing you want to be is the mopey guy that is just nothing's ever good enough. Like it's hard to work with people like that. So if you're younger or trying to make it in the industry, bring some light to whomever you're working with, like fans, people like that's what people are drawn to. And it, it and you can, you don't, like you said, you don't want to be fake. You, if somebody's a weird, you know, guy that's just negative, maybe you can make something out of it. I don't know how you do it, but if you can, you got to do what you need to do. But like, just people are drawn to positivity. I think it feels good. It's contagious. And that's a, like a childhood story, but it is what it is. Yeah. Negative's about the one quality that, because like you said, I say it all the time to you guys, like, and I do believe it and be yourself, whoever yourself is, be that and you'll be Unless more successful. Negative, don't, be, don't be that guy. Yeah, but it doesn't work with negative. That's what I'm saying. Like, literally, like, I mean, you, Seth Fighter, who is one of the biggest names in this sport right now, doesn't talk a lot. You know what I mean? He just, but, but he's himself and people gravitate towards that. But if he, if the words that he did say were like, I suck today, it sucks out there, there's no way to spin that. There's, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, the sleepy assassin can be a thing. You know what I mean? But, negativity can never be a thing no and that's you hit it on the head too and like and we need it would be really weird if everybody was like chirpy like me or pot that would be kind of a weird that'd be a weird deal i'm not gonna lie if everybody's <laughs> quiet that'd be weird also but you, you gotta have it all like the reason the elite series is what it is is because it has all these unique personalities like coming into the sport and you've got more people like seth more people like matt robertson more people like you know Paul, like like people from all walks of life and then they follow you and it, it just draws in fans. And like, if you don't have that, you don't have that big, you know, the big audience. If you had everybody that was just a uh, quiet Southern fisherman that that's all they did and didn't, there was no entertainment, no Iconelli, Skeet Reese, the Kevin Van Dams. If that didn't happen, man, we would, I wouldn't be talking right now because I don't think fishing would be what it is. I mean, fishing's fun to watch, but that's if you like fishing, you know what I mean? Like if you want other people to engage in it, it's gotta be something that they're drawn to too. And I think that people are drawn to, you know, certain people like you, yeah. why do you, 
people follow your why do people follow your podcast why do people care what we're talking about I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, let <laughs> us know in the comments. <laughs> they they want to know. They want to be a part of your life, you know. And they're that's not the case if you know they don't relate to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and 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 that's one of the things that I've always said. I think has to change in fishing. Like we need to, and it's getting there. I think the world is changing where people are just a lot more real, just because they have to be. I mean, you're you. At one time, it was a magazine that came out two months after you won the tournament and a TV show that was 30 minutes long that came out two months after the tournament. And you, I mean, anything can be spun, but there is so much like if you weren't really the person you are, if Seth Fighter wasn't really the person he is, it would be outed. You know what I mean? Like you guys are on camera too much. There's too often. And I just think that that that's not even a fishing thing. I think that's the world. Like we... I mean, dude, think of whoever your favorite whatever was growing up, favorite hockey player, favorite. You had no idea what he did on Saturday when he wasn't playing. Right. But now, I mean, you followed the valley. I'm going to have a baby now. Follow me. Like it's the most intimate details of people's lives are being shared. Yeah, and it's the good and the bad, but it's the yeah. reason it's growing more than it's ever been. Like there, there's a there's a balance, you know, because you got to be able to do it all. And all of us, I'm sure, struggle with that with time and you know what what we're sharing or when we're posting on your phone, because it's still a job. But like, if you want people to engage in what you're doing, like you obviously need to share with them and it, and it takes time. I mean, but that's what we're all trying to juggle every day, every one of us, you know, in order to make a living, but that's what makes the sport like all the same, you know, people that are complaining about posting on social media and why we have to do Instagram and Facebook. Like if people don't know what you're doing, like, they're not knowing what your sponsors are. You know, before it was just TV. It was just the magazine. You didn't have to do anything besides fish. Yeah. Well, now it's all these other media outlets. That's why there's millions more people that follow fishing because they have an opportunity to. You know? Yeah. And you look at all those videos, like all those video series that we see, and it's like a new one pops up every single day and they're all great. But you look at those behind the scenes shows that anglers are doing for YouTube and they all have their own voice. You know what I mean? Like there's some of them that are just kind of, you know, saying, okay, I know how this is done and I'm going to follow that formula. But the really successful ones yeah. are again, they're, they've got their own voice. And, you know, before we started talking, before we hit recording this show, me and you had a quick conversation and we, and one of the things, you know, we got to is that's the weird thing about fishing where everybody is supposed to be the same. Like it's okay not to like, you know, I'm not saying to hate, but what I'm saying is it's okay to have, that's my favorite pro. And that one, it, you know, you have to, like, if you change it to any other sport, you're a Red Wings fan. I'm pretty sure nobody can tell you that Stevie Eisenman wasn't God on ice. You yeah. know what I mean? But it doesn't matter that if you somebody's from another Probert. town, and they don't feel that. What's that? Yeah. I said, you still got to have Bob Probert, though. You still, oh, within the same, you got to have, you got to have the goons. You got to have the grinders. You got to have the heroes. You yeah. know, sport, it's a little different because we're all competitors together. There's no team, but like you need every one of them. And it's just, I think it's a lot of the stuff that's going on with our fishing is, is as good as it's ever been. As much criticism as and fines as Matt Robertson can handle. You know, I think, I know you, you might egg them on a time or two, you know, there's nothing. You Maybe. Have to put on a show. If that show costs Robertson a few bucks here or there, it is what it is. Well, and to be honest, the only thing, and I've told him this, the only thing I think he's done that is findable, in my opinion, is taking his pants off while he's <laughs> competing, fishing in his underwear. 
I Other than that, I mean, you, you cut your sleeves off. Big deal. I mean, who cares? I know what arms look like. I mean, isn't it weird that like he can't cut his sleeves off, but a school teacher, a female school teacher can show up with no sleeves on their shirt and it's totally cool. Like it's weird yeah. how, um, yeah, I agree. and I do if you, if you don't have the bass patches, you, you can't do it. But the man has the tattooed patch. To that alone. Like, if else wants to do that, get a full-time tattoo, then you can wear sleeveless jerseys too. But I think I agree with you there. The only thing was the underwear thing. I told him, like, you can't be showing, like, skid marks. Just put on some damn, like, some little pink girl, like, boy shorts or whatever. Have something fun and tasteful so it looks like it's planned. Then you'll yeah. be all right. The not-so-tidy-whities with, yeah, with the ripped – Where's yeah, Walter, Walters and Biffle have short shorts. I mean, <laughs> they can't say his shorts were too short because then you can look at those guys have short shorts too, you know? Yeah. Well, you look at Robertson and the shoey that happened at the classic, and I don't know how much of that you've seen or heard about, but he was talking about doing shoeys, and I kind of edged him, encouraged him to do it on stage. And there were some people that were like, oh, that was, and I'm like, but here's the view that I saw that nobody, very few people get to see. I that crowd so. went from watching away in to literally everybody in the arena holding yeah. up their phone. I mean, so to me, that is, he's doing his job. You know what I mean? I, it was kind of nasty and gross to watch, but he did it. I got, I got something for you. The funny thing about that is, where is it at here? Come on, baby. This is horrible for our audio I'm, listeners, know, but right now what he's doing is I'll, I'll find one and send it back to you. The rolling through his phone. The reason that Shuey happened was because he and I ran into each other the night before, which is even more funny. Yes. I mean, <laughs> those, those Australian got supporters for Carl, the greatest thing ever. If you're going to, I always told you I would do anything for fans, whatever. If you're going to fly from Australia oh, across yeah. the country to support Carl and whatever, like, what do you need me to do? If it's legal, I'm in. Dude, we walked into the bars, me, my sister, and my buddies that came, and her boyfriend. And it was on, uh, it was Saturday night after I got cut. Went in, and it was that rooftop bar that we always hung at. And we came in, I could just hear him chanting. And then one of the guys, a couple of them recognized me, like, ah, oh, come on over, mate. They're like, you need to do a shoey. And Carl <laughs> told me before what it was, because we were uh -huh. on the hotel right next to each other. And he told me that. And I didn't, I'm like, let's go. I had only had one beer at the hotel, and the first beer I got at the bar, I was ready to go. And it wasn't my fishing shoe, it was my running shoe, which was hasn't been ran much. But I did a shoey at the at the bar with my, the first beer I drank that night. It was a shoey, and I saw Robertson, and he had to fish Sunday. Like, I like to party and play when it's time to party and play. But I separate party, play, and work pretty well. Yeah, that I don't guy, know how he does it. I don't either. Because he was out, he was just sipping his drinks, but he was there, and they were talking. I'm like, you need to come in here and get you one of these. I'm like, if I did it, I'm like, I know you can get you some. And he did one, too. But his was out of, like, a boot that he'd been wearing, probably stinky. So oh yeah, he yeah. did it then. I just thought it was hilarious. But like, that's getting back to the fans and stuff. Like those guys, they literally flew across the world to be there. I mean, I don't even know them, but just the support they have for Carl. Carl is a great dude, just working his butt off, getting to do what he's done. They came to support him and to be a part of what we do. Like I said, as long as it wasn't illegal, like I, I was in. We did yeah. shot, we did shoeies, and it wasn't that bad. And then I looked at the guy, I'm like. What do what do we do with our shoe now? He's like, ah, oh, mate, just let it air dry a couple minutes and put it back on. <laughs> All right, fair enough. It was good though. Uh, the, the next, the, like a real shoey, like the legit Australian shoey, and I'm sure they'll tell you, generally is out of somebody else's shoe, not your own. And you're 
you have to spit in it too. They pour the beer in, they spit in it, and it's just the nastiest you, thing. They in spit the world. in it, or you spit in it? You spit your own spit? No, they spit. You got to spit in it. Come on, you can't have other people. You're spit drinking in your own spit. Your spit's already in your mouth. So what is I matter? know, but it's still pretty nasty. That's not a big. If you're drinking somebody else's spit, man, then we got a problem. I mean, it's in somebody else's shoe. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it could be better than your shoe, though. <laughs> It might be. It was definitely better than Matt Robertson's rubber boot. I mean, when he took it off, like, actually, it's funny. That clip has floated around a lot, and I saw it again. And there's a part where I'm, like, edging him on. But then there is a part where he, like, starts pouring it. And I look, and I'm like, oh. Oh, But I realize, I mean, you're putting it on a sweaty three-quarter booty that you've worn for a while. (laughs) Like I said, you're all right with giving people a couple nudges. It's nothing wrong with that. Pointing them in the right direction. But – it all comes from, dude, when I look again, like when we started, when we talked about what the classic is and you talk about those Australian fans have traveled from, to me, we should do everything we can to make that a show up there. You know, the speech I give every year at the classic and that's yeah. honestly, and when people leave, I mean, there's people who did very well in that tournament. And if you went and quizzed people that were at the classic, they don't remember that. Yeah. But one of the first five memories they're going to say, what happened at the classic? What was it like? Yeah. One of the first five things you're going to hear about is Matt Robertson's Chewy. And I think. And that's what gets them to come back, man. When they're like, like we're, yeah, we fish for a living, but there needs to be a show. Yeah. Real that goes with the fishing. And then when they're done, they're like, dude, that was a blast. I'm going to bring it, bring, you know, I'm going to bring it back again next year, wherever they're going. I'm coming. Cause I had an absolute riot. I got to meet some of these guys out. That's the other cool thing with what we do. I mean, like, a lot of times you're around your fans, like hands on, I mean, whether it's at the bar, whether it's at the event or expo, like you're just, they know you more than other sports. And it's just, it, it's cool when you get to interact like that. And it's just, I think that's what they, you know, buy into and just want to want to be a part of, you know? Why do you think I got my own theory on it, but why do you think like people, you hear people say that all the time, like anglers are different, you know, the way they're open to their fans and it's different than any other sport. Why, do, why do you, why do you feel that? is well, the is the way in fishing i think you almost, you almost have to now um like other sports like i'm not knocking how we make a living i make a very good living and support a family but other sports if you just play basketball just play hockey golf you can make money you don't need a sponsor dollar you your income you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars you're making money in our industry there is a lot of money to be made but it it's it doesn't have to be in in checks being cashed and that's what like i feel like a lot of our guys struggle with you know, not a lot, but just, you don't have to make, like, you shouldn't be making your money and cashing checks. If you're fishing for a living and, and needing a check, which is how a lot of us and all of us start out, like, it's tough. But like now the platform's getting so big, the check should be a bonus. Like you should be working hard enough and have a good sponsor base. And it, it doesn't happen overnight. Like I never got a, you know, nobody ever reached out to me until the year three or four, like you're hustling and grinding, but like it does happen. And you make those dollars by, doing all of those other things. And it's like opening up your life to your fans and then, then getting to know more of you and you, knowing more of you or your sponsors or supporting the things that you support. If you've got, you know, a hundred thousand people that follow you and you know, they're going to pay attention. Like the people that follow you follow you for a reason. And they start to, I don't want to say do the things you do or like them. Like you don't need to be a perfect role model, but in the fishing sense, like they're going to look at some of the products you use engines, boats, rods, reels. And it, it and that's what, sponsors want to see they want they want to see your social media numbers it's just it's what we live in now and a basketball player doesn't have to have a million followers because they don't need to sell anything you know what i mean and we're not all salesmen like like that but we are selling something it's the 
package of the elite series it's the show it's drawing people in and then it's all the people that we are very fortunate to get to work with too you know yeah yeah no i i think you're right and i think that we are a lot more like i'm the world's biggest kansas city chiefs fan but i understand that i'm not gonna make the nfl i'm it's never good yeah. but i think that in we see it over and over again. Somebody who starts as a fan and then, you know, I mean, how many times on stage this past classic did I hear somebody say, you know, Louis Minetti, I remember sitting right up there yes. four years ago and dreaming of being here and I'm here. Like, that's the cool thing. The fans actually become the players in some in some stories in our sport. Yeah, and I think it it, it can happen so quick. I would say to make a career, I think it's going to take a lot of time yeah. and you know, sacrifices and this and that. But the neat thing is that there's a lot of different paths where you literally can get to that same seat the next year. You know, a lot of things would have to happen right. But like the, anybody that loves to fish, like there's an opportunity for you to be fishing against someone in the classic next year. And I, that is the very, probably the coolest thing about our sport is like we're, we all want our spot in the classic, but it's neat that there is, you know, I think it's really special that there's a college angler, a team angler, a nation angler. Like, I think that's what makes it so big because you have, Again, just like you have all the walks of life for the anglers, you've got all the different types of bass anglers all across the country have some sort of way to get there, you know, to, which is pretty, pretty special. Yeah, no, it's, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. Um, <laughs> I read your, I read your past bio and uh -oh. it says it's, uh, uh, that's the research I did for this. I went to your bass <laughs> bio, um, but it says you like bananas. So many um, anglers say bananas are bad luck. Are you, uh, tell me your theory on it. Well, so I'm, I'm different. I'm still superstitious, but I'm like a little different superstitious. So I, okay. bananas dude are good for you. Us as anglers with live, we're literally hunched over like this. We have bad forearms, elbows, backs, necks. Bananas are good for your muscles. So why would you not like bananas? And if you have the banana, you just eat it in the morning, like in the car before you take off, you eat all the bad mojo out. You like control that you know, that, that, that bad luck power, you eat it, get rid of it. So I do that. And then I, uh, I collect change a little bit. I'll throw it in my, if I find something that's heads up the gas station, I put it in the cup holder in the boat. And uh, I, I think like every cent is like a, a good bite wherever we're going. It varies, but I'll keep putting change in there and do the only, the only good classic I've ever had. I've had some just crummy ones. The only good one, the last day of practice in Texas, I literally walked out of the hotel room and it, somebody like, Poured a cup holder of change out. I walked out of the hotel and right in front of me, I'm like, what? It was a pile of change, probably like 10 bucks worth. And I'm like, holy shit, like this has got to be a sign something's good going to happen. And I went through and like spread them out and I picked up all the heads up one and left the other one. And I caught like an eight one then, had to get like, had my chances to, you know, make something happen, missed a few bites, but that was it, man. The change pile. Wow. <laughs> wow. I wonder who piled it there. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty. Probably your wife. You want me to do well, find out where I'm at and put a couple of change piles by my tires or boat. Guaranteed I'm gonna crush it and it, it's it's gonna be good for your fancy thing. Change yeah, piles. and it'll be great for you. People will start taping dollar bills to your truck. It'll you be can keep great... dollar bills. Just give me nickels and dimes. That's like five good bites, ten good bites. We'll keep it simple. Any other superstitions? That's really those that's pretty much it. Eat the bananas and pick up that change. Cash money. Who who has the craziest amount of superstitions in the elite series, in your opinion? I don't know, dude. I, don't, I, I hear some people talking about wearing underwear and stuff similar days, and that's just that just kind of gets stinky. I mean, I don't, mm -hmm. not not want to be doing any of that. So, 
but none of the people you've roomed with are like weirdos i don't think so man a polemic the ice you know the ice cream is a beautiful thing we just i think some of the superstitions you make you just make excuses and do the things you like like brandon yeah. tiffany love ice cream they're like well hell every time we catch a check let's eat some ice cream yeah Makes sense. yeah yeah they're like my kids dude like literally <laughs> you'll learn this as your kids get older they they found out early on that if something was fun that's a tradition <laughs> like so so if you go to whatever a basketball game one year well they had a great time so next year hey it's tradition we got to go to a basketball game um so whatever i mean if you enjoy it do it yeah i figured that out with a buddy of mine he does the same thing we go on a drinking guys trip or something he's like let's make this one a vegas trip's a tradition and golf trips I'm like i i can't do all these traditions i'm like well it's gonna shoot me <laughs> uh what uh what's your ultimate goal in this sport Oh man, I, I want, I do want to win, dude. I, I've never, uh, I obviously haven't held up a blue trophy, so I want that bad, but I, outside of that, like, I just, I want to be involved in the sport. Remember, like, as I want to help bring the sport, like grow the sport, you know, I, like it's hard to do that if you don't have a huge platform. So I do feel like you almost have to win or like get angry or something to help. It's hard to grow your platform unless you're, you're on that top stage. You know what I mean? So I think for me, like the, the big thing I want to do is I, it sounds dumb. I need to be consistent. I, I want to have a run at whether I win or not, or angle of the year, like I need to be in the damn discussion. And it just, it sucks starting off bad this year. Cause I feel like I'm so close. I don't know what it is that it has. It's every year I have one or two bad events and I've had it before in the middle. I've had it at the beginning a couple of times. I've had it at the end, but like, it's, it's, it's something that doesn't allow me to string nine events together. And I'm ready for that to change. And it's going to change one of these times. So I think for me, you know, I want to be in that top five in the points a couple of times, you know, before I get done and I want to win one. So we're going to, we're going to do one of those or hopefully both those in the same year, a couple of times. No, I, I don't think that many people don't. I mean, I, I think it's going to happen for you. I mean, I just, I just think it's, it's a really tough thing to do. I think people like, even though you've been here 11 years, you get eight shots a year. Like it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but your career has become incredibly consistent. Wouldn't you, you've got to be happy with that end of things. No. Yeah. I mean, I'm day in, day out. Like I get to do other than the few bad ones that you just talked about. Yeah, that happens a couple bombs here and there, but day in and day out, I get to do what I love. And I like, I support my family. So I, if you talk to a lot of guys, I mean, everybody wants to win, but like, if you've got bills, payments, kids, wife, family, like you've got to pay your bills and I'm, we're super comfortable with that stuff. So like, I'm very fortunate to get to do that. And we, and I think, like you said, the last five years have been a lot more consistent. You know, you want to turn, turn those seventies or eightieths into sixties or seventieths. If it happens, then you still have a shot to win an angle of the year, you know, and that's, I haven't avoided all of those, but just in the end of the thing, in the end of it, it's just literally fishing your strengths and, and fishing how you want to fish. And for me, it's avoiding doc talk. Like I talked to Polnick, you know, every tournament a couple times a day, you know, I talked to, you know, a couple other guys, you know, once a day, just to, just to get engaged. Like you don't need to know exactly what other people are doing or where they're at and whatnot, but it's nice to have an idea of, you know, if something's really clicking down the lake or if, you know, like what the bites are like, you know, cause it's, if you're just talking with yourself or not talking with anybody, like I've heard Hagney say it before, like you go up to thousand islands and you want to go fish for largemouth. Well, if the smallmouth bite is crap, you can go catch 18 pounds of largemouth. And you're like a couple of years, like that was, you know, top 30. But other years you catch 18 a day and dude, you are a 75th to 80th yeah. player. 
so it's nice to have an idea of you know a little bit what's going on is there an angler that motivates you the most on like is there somebody you look to on tour and you're like man that that's where i need to be or or is it just all of them no it's everybody man that drives you like i said the new guys too because they i know how hard they're working so like the only thing you can control in the sport is how hard you work and i like i will always be on there 30 minutes before sunrise if it's a 15 hour day like i'm gonna practice for 15 hour day that's how i'm wired because i don't want to miss any window when i could be you know making something happen um so i think everybody raises the bar but for me like i travel with polemic for you know, three, four years, like when we lived in the camper before the camper and houses, you know, then when he went to the other side for a little bit and came back, you know, we've all got family. So it's hard, but I spent a lot of time with him and there is no one in the industry that does more for the sport and balances things like he does. Like with he's got a hundred, 200,000 fans or followers, like I'll scroll on his stuff and he's commenting, like actively engaging with people on damn near every post. And I know he does the same thing on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and like to be able to balance that with catching fish and then all the other videos, sponsor obligations, his show that he has and family, like the more things you have, the harder it is, but he's still, you still find a way to do it. So I'm like, when I'm at home wondering how the hell I can put the kids to bed and, and, you know, comment on some stuff on Facebook or Instagram or go get a job ready or a hot, like, I, I know he's doing it. So I'm like, I can figure it out. Like whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. You need to get up earlier. You do what I need to do. It can happen. So it's like guys like that, that raise the bar and make you want to do better, you know? Yeah. And he's a good dude. Oh, as good as they come. And, and he's, when he first started the, I think it was 17, when he first started his behind the scenes show on YouTube, I remember telling him, dude, don't be careful. Don't do that. Like I remember saying that it's a lot. You're going to have to manage, you know, you're producing a show on top of all this. And he won angler of the year that year. So yeah. my advice sucks, number one. But number two, he's one of those people that it's almost like there's some people, the more eyes that are on him, the more pressure, it seems like the more he rises up. Agreed. Yeah, some people crumble under pressure and other people just figure it out. And that's like when you get talking about winning and stuff, I don't, not that I don't feel the pressure when you're out there, like to make changes what he does, though, like you said, when the eyes are on him, when some of the wins he's had, it's like you win with a big run or whatever. The one that was most impressive me was at Sandy Cooper like yeah. the decisions he makes to win and to adjust is just unbelievable like the year he won angle of the year I traveled with him that year we did the he was doing his YouTube video and stuff that year like if you took our practices I I beat his practice every year like you don't want to win practice he's just so good at like getting the one clue like we're at Dardanelle I was catching him on a drop shot a little crankbait on brush piles he had a terrible practice. I caught one fish one day, two, and he got a little clue that day. My deal got muddy and I tried to force it. And he's, he's just so well able to adapt. Like he just, Oh, let me just slide in. Well, this Creek's clear. I'm the graph and look for stuff on day one of the tournament. He's marking new things because he knows what they're on. He makes a top 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like decisions like that, like that you can't be scared to do and, and be able to, you know, fish and adjust on the fly. And that's what separates guys like him from, you know, everybody else. Yeah. He's a special dude. And, and I think that success helps that become easier. You know what I mean? The more you win, the easier it is to make those gutsy ballsy decisions. You know what I mean? It's part of the process. Um, yeah. Did you, were when you in there? Sorry, go ahead. South Carolina, like 
he just ran and went and fished. He actually, that big fish he caught was a yeah. brush while I fished three times the first day. I didn't have it. He didn't have it. He just saw it on his grab, but he went down to that area. You know, we didn't talk about where to go, but like I'm watching on TV. I'm like, and then we talked after I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And it just, it, it's funny. Cause you look at it, it's like, is it, it's luck. You know, he got lucky caught him. No, he put himself in that position. He had a, he made an adjustment and then that fish was there that, but it's like, that doesn't happen for somebody that's just doing the same thing they did that that happened for somebody that put some thought into it. Like, I can come back here in the afternoon. Let me see what I can shake up the first three hours. Like, how can I make this happen when that's what he did? Yeah. He's, um, he's pretty special, special dude. Um, were you, did you at the classic, were you in the arena when Gussie won or were you watching it somewhere else? No, we were in the arena. I, that anytime I'm at the classic, not like that is, I had never been to Bassmaster Classic before I fished. They're all further away and doing other stuff. Like yeah. I followed fishing, watched every one, but I had never actually been to one. And when I saw the first one, like on Sunday, I said to my, like, if I'm ever not fishing or didn't, like, I will be here to watch. It's just that super six and that feeling is just, it's amazing, man. And it, like, I'll never, I hope I'm watching it after I fish or being the one on stage at some point, holding the trophy up. But like, it's just, there's nothing like it. Like, that's what we all live for. And to see that and see one of your buddies win, like, it's just, it's something special. Well, how, how is that different for you as a competitor? It's gotta be like, I, I think about that all the time. I always look at the, it's one of the coolest things about our sport. Like when it on Sunday, everybody's in there, everybody, you know what I mean? All the competitors yeah. are either standing around the stage. They're there. Cause it's such a special moment. But when you're watching somebody like Gussie win, how is that different for you than a fan? Like, are you totally a fan or is it just like uh, a motivational experience? I would say I've turned it like, it's not needed. Like at that point, when I leave, you know, the expo or leave from fishing to go sit with my family, I'm drinking a beer. I'm hanging out. Like I am 100% a fan. Like I, I wow. Gussie's a great guy. I like the other, but I'm there to watch. I was there watching Robertson drink a shoot. You know, I was watching because I was running my daughter around the damn building because she wanted to walk. But I want like, I love the guys that we fished with and the sport and the platform we have. And that is no better place to showcase it, showcase it and be a part of it. And like, I just want, I, like, I enjoy, it. I could sit and watch that you on stage doing what you do. You're the best there is with that. And it, it's just, it's fun to me. And I would be there every year. Like I said, if I'm there, like I'm going to be there every time sitting in that seat watching it. Cause I, it's just, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird event. I, and I've said it for years. I'm like, there's so many things you see on TV and places that TV makes everything seem bigger. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, but the classics, the exact opposite. Like you literally go, you see it on TV and you think it's huge. And then you go to one and you're like, uh, this is so much bigger and so much cooler than I, but once you've been to one, the drive to, and I, I'm not even talking as a competitor, whether you're working or you're a fan or whatever, you don't want to miss one ever again. Like it, it's, it's that kind of special event. Yeah. And you, like, like I said, it's fun to watch. Like I will sit in that seat every day to watch, but after fishing at fish six now, like you don't want to miss it. Cause there is no better feeling than driving through that. The smoke comes out, your song's on and you're looking up on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, dude, it just gives me goosebumps stuff because it's, it's what you literally fished every day for. It's whatever you sleeping in your truck, rainy nights, wind, thunder, like birthdays, you miss other friends, weddings. Like the reason you did it all is to drive through that tunnel at that time. Yeah. yeah that's wild. Very cool. What's the best advice you've ever been given in your life? Oh, jeez, put me on the spot, man. The 
I don't know if it's the best advice given in my entire life, but I would say it's, it, it's the one I remember just because it's like you talk about with Kevin and that like the things, little things you remember, Shad, the guy that I travel with, Skank, his wife would say Shad Shank. That's, it's, that's how it's pronounced. But he says, I'm a skank. My kids are skanks. We, we used to have a lot of fun with that. But him, he told me like with me, I was at two years being a yeah. angler. Like I felt like I learned a lot. And I was ready to go. And I was like fishing wise. I, I felt like I was ready. I wasn't ready financially, like business stuff. I hadn't made enough connections yet. I didn't know that at the time, but it's so simple. He just told me, he's like, it's not a question of if it's when. And I like, that's one of those lines that just sticks out, you know, for me. And I, when I'd speak with, you know, college and uh, high school kids and stuff that still just res uh, resonates with me. And it's just like, they may have a different story, but it's like, it's just when it's not, if it's just when, like, and I always say, what are you willing to do that other people aren't to get to this spot? And whether it's sleep in your truck, work a hundred hours a week, um, fish, you know, a hundred hours, you know, every two, whatever it is, like, how can you separate yourself? Cause everybody you talk to wants to do what you're doing. Like that, that fish, like, man, I wish, and the, we, you get it a lot. I wish, I wish I could do that. Or I yeah. wish I only had the time. Or, I wish I only had the money. And it's one of those things like, there's a few silver spoons out there, but more often than not, like everybody where we're at has some sort of unique story, like how they got to where they got. And yeah. it all, the only thing in common is typically like hard work, but it's like, what did they do to get to that next step that other people weren't willing to do? And that's like, it's not if it's just when, you know, if you're hustling. Yeah. Great advice. Um, you're a hustler, you're a positive dude. And, um, and you're pretty good at this freaking podcast stuff. We should do this more often. Man try to send send them my way let's go let's do it at night so we can have some cocktails i can't I, you know it's too early to drink i got a lot to do it wouldn't be early if you're a tailgate on saturday then there's no time friday i mean it is friday i gotta get up early and drive to south carolina you you can't just get to fly <laughs> yeah i mean i am i am very pampered that way i do get to <laughs> fly a lot of times but dude thank you very much for doing this um a great chat and uh we'll do this again soon right right after you win your next event well, well, you you took the words out of my mouth we'll do it after i get to host up a trophy i have to get a new trophy thing i got nowhere to put any trophies maybe i need to build a case i hear all these other guys talking about having a angle of the year case built like they're ready to i got nowhere to put anything maybe they i need pre build the case cool. what they pre-build their case Wow. Like Bonnick's got his, you know, angle of the year one. He's got a slot next to it for the classic. I'm like, damn, that's ballsy. But maybe that's what I'm missing. I need just a little, little perch, a little stool, or a little just shelf, a, a trophy. Yeah. Wow. Let's fill up the shelves. Let's <laughs> fill up, fill up the shelves. But uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll chat soon. I'm bad at ending these, so uh, <laughs> I'm I'm I've got separation night. anxiety. I guess I don't know. See you soon. Bye. No, you hang up. You hang up first. <laughs> See you, buddy. I can't Thanks, believe guys. you hung up. <laughs> well, there you have it, Chad Pipkins. And if that wasn't a dose of positive energy, I don't know what is. And uh, as he said, it's not if, it's when. And that goes for every dream that people want to chase in life, whether it be an Elite Series Pro, whether it be whatever. The Lawn Darts champion of the world. It's not if, it's when. And you only fail when you stop working for a goal. So get out there and uh, make things happen. And I thank you all for listening. Once again, each and every week, you guys uh, are truly, truly awesome.
Have a great week. Enjoy being. And as always, Bob Cobb, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?